We're in Galatians 4. And I think we stopped at verse 7. It seems to me we I got my needle stuck on uh, crying, Abba, Father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm thinking we start with verse 8. Okay. Um, Katrina, would you read verses 8 to 11, please? But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Any questions or comments? Well, it just kind of made me think of um, one of the pastors that I enjoy listening to. One of his recurring themes is about the fact that, or the the kind of the way that most people, that our kind of natural way to respond to to Jesus is to kind of use him as a condiment. Um, that you know, we've got our life, and there's you know the bumper stickers about you know life is better with Jesus or whatever, and so you just sprinkle a little Jesus on top, and you know everything's great. You know that makes everything better, uh, as opposed to actually letting God come in and fundamentally change your world in the way that you are. That that's a much more difficult thing to do, uh, and that uh, that it's unfortunately kind of a rare thing for people to allow uh, to do. Um, and that what kind of what we found back you know years ago when there was the um that whole um the uh the the Hutus and the Tutsis you know they the, um in Rwanda, Rwanda that what they found that was the most Christian country in Africa um but what they found was that the Christianity was just a veneer but that the tribal things ran very deep um and that, and that that's not. It, maybe it was more pronounced there, but I don't think that that's necessarily something that's unique to Rwanda. I mean that that's that's a human thing. Yeah. And that even in the Old Testament, if you look, um, that Israel, um, the issue wasn't that they stopped worshiping God; it's just that they tried kind of it was the um, adding in and say okay well but we'll kind of cover our bases we'll we'll still serve 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 Yahweh but we're going to bring in a little bit of Baal or Asheroth or whatever on the side Um, and you know and part of the reason for that is that these other ones act more like uh, celestial concierges, or you know, whatever you put in your request, and as long and they're and they're manipulatable. Uh, that if you do your thing here, then you can get the response that you want. Whereas God doesn't yeah, work that Yahweh way. Yahweh is a different kind of God, and it's it's unpredictable. It's not um, not something where I can know where this is going or what's going to happen. You had, no, we're not that in control of, with Yahweh. Exactly, <laughs> and that that is kind of the bottom line. That, in fact, that's the essence of idol worship. That's kind of a classic scholarly definition. Is an mm-hmm. idol is uh, something you can control right. uh, and manipulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I find it interesting here that he says to them, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements? Uh, how does that relate to you observe days and months and seasons and years? Because he's not talking about circumcision here. You know, um, what is it that he's addressing about their... Um, I have a footnote by Elemental Spirits, Weak and Beggarly Elemental Spirits. It says, or beggarly rudiments. So he may be talking about ideas or conceptions rather than... It's hard for me to know because you are enslaved to beings, it says. Mm. So my hench is that these are Gentiles that have been brought into Christianity, the Judaizers have shown up, and the kind, way that the Judaizers talk and, the, and what they try to push them to do is so similar to their old life before they became Christians that they've swung back to a kind of a weird soup of, of their old life, the Judaizers' way, and a little bit of Paul. That's, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. I wonder if that's like when uh, Christianity became the religion of the Roman Empire that they just went through all these the temples and idols and different things and just slapped new names on them. Um, but that a lot of the people, just you know, just the normal populace, didn't even really realize that they were in a different religion now. I mean, that it was still the same things going on. They just had new names and new things that if you looked carefully, you could say, okay, well, maybe there has been something changed, but it was still the same old, same old. Anything else here? Um, well, when you were saying about as far as the idols and you know, being controlled, so that kind of reminded me of, um, there's the, um, father of modern sociology, Emile Durkheim, um, was a French sociologist back you know, hundred some odd years ago. Um, and he was really interested in understanding um, the rise of, of totems and also just you know, primitive religions. Um, and he went to you know, various places, you know, like South America, Papua New Guinea, where I'm not sure where all he went, but what he finally ended up determining how these tended to, you know, going places where they worship, you know, jaguars or, um, or you know, their god is a, a, a jaguar or a, uh, whatever it might be, that what it, when you trace it back where this seems to come from was that initially that it was just as they were trying to pass on to their children there were there were certain characteristics that were useful in uh, in life and for staying alive and, and so on and you know there are things about being crafty or you know being able to move quietly through the forest or uh, being a fierce 
uh, fighter or whatever, and there were animals that had some of these characteristics. And so, you know, we all think of you know things as being as you know sly as a fox or you know the wise as an owl or whatever. We have these ideas that in um, in society. Well, they, they they took these same thing and they kind of lifted up these characteristics that they were trying to instill into the next generation. And over time, rather than just saying, you know, you should be able to move quietly like a jaguar through the forest, that it kind of elevated the jaguar itself beyond just that thing. And that over several generations, then this became this deity sort of thing. But that if you trace it back, basically what they're worshipping is the elements that they, that they, that they admire in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they deem as being important in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing that that really hit me as I went through that is that that's, I think, more than anything else, what convinces me that, that Christianity and Jesus was not human uh, and is actually, is because he... His way of, I mean, yes, he was 100% human, but he's not just human. Um, that um, that we didn't just make this up. Because this whole way of doing things is so counter to the normal human way of doing it. We never would have come up with this on our own. Um, uh, I once rewrote the Beatitudes according to our way. Mm-hmm. And posted on Facebook. Um because just looking at the Beatitudes, that is so counter-human. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Are you kidding? Our our world just abhors people who are weak. We blame the victims for anything that happens. It's your fault. What you should have done this. You should have done. It. Why didn't you do that? We just we just can't handle weakness. And so Jesus starts right off by going there and then those who who mourn and those who are meek well weakness in women is celebrated but not in men in a way and it's celebrated by men but actually somebody was posting on Facebook this week that Hollywood is making women tough yeah I saw that young women like that but they want to they be strong. So then observing special days and months and seasons and years, the problem with that is that is so generic. It could be what they used to observe because we know that in the mystery religions they observe stuff. Or it could be the Jewish ceremonial stuff Or it could be the Jewish well. ceremonial stuff or whatever. They're reverting, whatever. It, that's quite clear. Okay, let's um, move on to uh, verses 12 to, uh, I'm sorry, verses 12 to 20. David? Okay. Brethren, I beseech you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And through my condition, and and though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What has become the satisfaction, no, what has become of the satisfaction you felt? 
for I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. For a good purpose, it is always good to be made much of, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, with whom I am again in travail until Christ be formed in you. I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. I'm going to take that sentence that was difficult. It was poorly written. Uh They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to exclude you, so you may make much of them. It is good to be made much of for a good purpose at all times, and not only when I am present with you. In other words, why don't you... Why don't you do this all the time, even when I'm not there? Uh, I think is what he's saying. This is kind of a transition paragraph. Um, I don't know how much time we want to spend on it. I think about four minutes. (laughs) (laughs) But his verse 19, I think, is worth commenting on. My little children, for whom I am again in pain of childbirth until Christ is formed within you. That's Paul's goal. I explained to my students that Paul is not trying to set himself up or uh, emulate the patron-client relationship as much as he wants to give them a sense of, we are family, I am your parent. And he uh, talks in different ways in his letters about um, admonishing them as a father, but he also presents himself with a female metaphor. As a mother. That comes through many, many times um, in terms of giving birth to them and the whole, mm-hmm. you know, laboring. And mm-hmm. and that's a beautiful metaphor for, I think, us to see all mm-hmm. using that, you know, we can't mm-hmm. say, oh, he's this misogynist, whatever, because many times he portrays himself yeah. as a mother. That's how deeply yeah. he cares for them. Um, Paul is really very pro-women. And, of course, it's in this book that he says there is no male or female in mm-hmm. Christ. Right. That's good. Um, that, that, I like the way that, that same verse again uh, in 17 is um, here in the Good News Bible. It says, These other people show a deep interest in you, but their intentions are not good. All they want is to separate you from me so that you will have the same interest in them as they have in you. Now it is good to have such a deep interest if the purpose is good, but this is true always and not merely when I am with you. That's helpful. Paul can be very oblique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obtuse. <laughs> and obtuse and opaque and I'm probably using the wrong word that first one. Well, yeah, it well, the oblique is, is it also fits but it's just yeah, well the I think the problem is he's just way smarter than me. <laughs> and, and I have a hard time. Um, I have this picture of Paul, especially when he wrote in prison and he had an amanuensis there. Mm-hmm. He's pacing back and forth in his cell, rattling this off, and the amanuensis is <laughs> slow down, slow down. <laughs> not, like, keep up. Have you seen the movie Paul the Apostle? No, I haven't. I showed that in my class. I'll loan it to you. I think you'd like it. I probably would. I, I just I can hear that and Paul getting frustrated at times and banging the wall and and, and you know <laughs> I just have this picture of Paul being <laughs> kind of that person. 
or it's kind of um, that just made me think of kind of the same thing with the um, you've seen the movie Amadeus about uh, Mozart it came out like 20 some odd years ago uh, it's really <coughs> one of my favorite movies anyway at one point towards the end uh, Mozart is dying but he is dictating his uh, uh final uh, requiem mass to Salieri. And so Salieri, who's also a, a, a you know, well-regarded musician and, and composer and so on, but as he's dictating this out to him, Salieri keeps telling him, slow down, slow down, I can't, you know, just can't keep up. And that it's and Mozart is, is just so transcendent above Salieri's ability that it's just, um, that even though he's, you know, very good, he just can't keep up with the, the intellect. Yeah. That's why Peter had something to say about it. <laughs> I'm going to read... I don't know. I, I hate to stop here. We could. If we're going to go on, we need to finish the chapter. <laughs> I think much, we yeah. should leave it because there's a lot in the next section. Yeah, I, the next section is meaty. I think we should attack. So why don't we stop for today? Did you stop at verse 20? 20, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll start at verse 21 and move to verse 31. Try to finish the chapter next time. Thank you. All right. Let's bow our heads. Father, we... When we think of Paul, we think of his prodigious work, his... Intense labor, his sufferings, everything that he went through. And we marvel. We cannot keep up with him. But we know that he is not our example, that Jesus was and is. We ask that you will re- bring the changes about in our lives, that we might fulfill his plan for us. We thank you for giving us your word and its counsel to us. May we profit by it always. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.